Today, I have a all-around powerhouse, Tiffany Yard, a CEO and co-founder of Shoki, a New York State corporation operating a premium beverage and lifestyle brand of spirit-free cocktail mixers powered by cannabis in the state of California. She is also the owner of Motovino, a wine education platform that was created based on a decade of experience designing operations strategies and marketing principles for global companies in the legal sector. We're discussing the beauty and misconceptions behind the plant cannabis, also known as reefer, weed, and ganja. How the rise of black entrepreneurs within this sector is changing the narrative around cannabis. Stay tuned for this very informative discussion. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. I am here with a brand new guest on She Discovered Podcast. Tiffany Yard and I go way back to high school. We went to high school <laughs> together. And of course, you yeah. know, as uh, time passes, we become adults. We go to college. We, you know, we get into our careers. But, you know, with social media, it's such a good thing that you're still able to, you know, keep in touch from time to time with classmates. And I was able to do so with Tiffany and even witness her and her rising and coming into her own with being an entrepreneur, a black female entrepreneur, which we love to see. She is a entrepreneur whose mission involves God, humanity, community, economics, cannabis, and some good wine. Would you say I'm accurate on that one? You got it, sis. That's it. Those are, those are my pillars. That's it. God first. God first. That's Why would you say those are your pillows, those elements? Uh, so God first, because I'm Christian, um, unapologetically, and I do my best to ensure that my decision making comes from a biblical and um, sound lens. Um, mm. Ultimately, I, I know that my first responsibility is to be a good steward in this realm. Second responsibility is to be good to my friends, my family, to treat others the way I treat myself. Mm. And of course, to help change the world, help make it a little better than I left it. So hopefully, you know, when we pass on and and I go back home to my father and he says, good, well done, my faithful servant. I, I would have known that I left it on the field. You know, I did my mm-hmm. best. So mm-hmm. that's that pillar. Um, good wine, because that's what I love. <laughs> First, <Okay. laughs> I love good wine. I, t- I taught wine to mostly corporate types um, through workshops and events. And I wrote a book about it called How to Wine with Your Boss. I um, got certified as a wine educator. And, you know, it was really a lot of fun um, in those doing that work in particular. Um, while also um, working in the B2B space. I come from mostly um, legal marketing uh, services as it relates to how we sell legal services for a living. So ultimately, mm. you know, you think toll roads in Mozambique, Chilean railway, you know, mostly energy infrastructure project finance deals. All that to say, I help make, you know, middle-aged white men a crap ton of money. And so I realized <laughs> that stage for me, it was, you know, uh, I'm tired of that. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I need to make money for myself, you know, and so all that to say, I've always had that entrepreneurial bug. I've always had that level of creativity. And I realized that I just needed to time to me to bet on me, you know, and so that just Agreed. those kind of things take time. And so that's why I'm in that order. So God, humanity, good wine and cannabis and cannabis kind of fell into my lap. Okay. Uh, back in 2017, up until that point, I mean, we, only thing I had, only education I had about cannabis was my weed man, you know, on the street corner, you know, who who had the good stuff, right? I didn't even know what strain type. I didn't, I didn't know the difference between cultivars and terpenes and, you know, um, cannabinoids and how it affects your body. I had no idea about that stuff at that time. And so I jumped on a plane to West Africa. I was burnt out and I was like, I'm used to long hours and crazy work. As long as I love it, it doesn't feel like work. Right. But I was so exhausted and I um, had a good opportunity to go get back to the continent, this time visiting Ghana to celebrate some 
good friends and the work they were doing there on the ground. And I spent nearly a month enjoying life, enjoying myself, mm. recharging on the, oh, you want your foot touch the soil. You just feel like you're home. And so all that to say, um, I came back home with a business plan and that included making beverages because I fell in love with the work and the, and the some of the projects that I saw exposed there. So that's Shoki, how it got started. <laughs> Shoki, right. So we're going to get into that because you said like coming back from Ghana, you started now this new, you know, beverage company. But again, like you said previously, you already had a knowledge and a working environment when it came to beverages, right? Because you were dealing with wine. And then even the clever um, title of your, your book, uh, How to Wine Your Boss. Your yeah. How to wind your boss and six other tips to fast track your career. Right. So you already had that. So with Shoki, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that came about, even on top of you going to Ghana and everything? Because I think it is dope. I looked into it and I'm just like, yeah, I need to get me a package after this interview. <laughs> like, definitely. Not only oh, to support. Yes, please order. Please order. Of course. Yeah. Not only. Yeah, not only to support, but it's like when we're talking about Shoki, um, so you can always fill me in, but it is a Afro-Caribbean cocktail brand, which is non-alcoholic, all natural fruit juices. We love all natural infused <laughs> with spices and herbs and even cannabis. So it's just like, and now, like you said, you're continuing your entrepreneurship, but now you're adding new knowledge that you have gained based on your trip. So definitely tell us more about Shoki. My co-founder is George Yehuesi. He's based in Accra, Ghana, and he's come from the tech sales and marketing um, background. And when we met serendipitously through mutual friends, he was already working on a few interesting projects and I was just pretty much the rocket fuel. Um, I kind of saw where he was going and I kind of in, in my mind had already scaled it. Like, all right, this is what we can do. So how we can do it. This is a new market. I can totally take over this arm. And I just presented him with ideas that were just coming to me. I do believe that the Holy Spirit moves in the most amazing and inspirational ways. And if you stop and pause for a second, the ideas that will come to you are can, can be can blow your own mind, right? And so when I got back home, uh, George and I stayed in contact and we were both like, all right, if we're going to do this, let's find, let's figure out a good name. Let's figure out how to stay honest with this, how to not dilute it for the sake of a customer or a marketplace or to make it, you know, a, a brand that doesn't stay true to its roots. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we wanted to think about the flavor profiles. Can we find them in our granny's cabinets? Yes. Yes. Let's do it. You know, if it's not, then let's stay away from it because we wanted to celebrate our culture. In Ghana, you know, um, hibiscus beverages that are made with warm spices is called sobolo. In the Caribbean, we know, we know it as sorrow. Sorrow, <laughs> you know, yes. So mm -hmm. It's such an interesting intersection of how, regardless of where, you know, uh, we are in the diaspora, we have so many intersections of how our food reflects, you know, our, our culture, our heritage. And no matter where we are in the, in the world, um, we can still be connected to food and our palate. Yes. It's just, you know, being Black isn't monolithic. You know, at the end of the day, there's so many aspects to Blackness and so many different dialects, um, so many different cultures that make up um, what the diaspora is now. And we want to pay as much homage as, and celebrate that as much as we can through this brand. And so um, in 2018, once I got back from Ghana, uh, George and I just kind of laid the foundation for what we could do in the States. And it was all about non-alcoholic drinks. Um, we are at the intersection of what it means to be sober curious or Cali sober, so to speak. Um, okay. Cali sober is a fun terminology for people that consume cannabis, but they don't touch alcohol. And so how oh. they how they elevate and how they enjoy and, and gain a beautiful euphoric experience without alcohol is through cannabis. And so we decided that that's where we're going to put our stake in the sand, a new fun way to enjoy and incorporate gorgeous flavor into a great social experience. So that's why that's why we did it. Mm -hmm. um, that's how we started. So the flavors first, it's got to taste good. And then after that, thinking about well, what colors matter? What design matters? You know, and so that's how the portfolio was born. Girl, I'm sold. I don't know about y'all, but I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> like just the vision and the reason behind Shoki, right? And like you said, um, my listeners will be able to see via social media 
about Shoki and like the bottles are beautiful. The colors of the drinks are vibrant. But how did you guys come with the name Shoki? What does that what does that mean? First, it's a real it's um, some people know it as a popular dance, um, West African dance from the, the Afrobeat scene. Some people know it as Japanese for demon killer. Some folks know it as um, just a really cool word that's been used, you know, loose in certain circles to describe a, a vibe. Um, okay. So because it has so many meanings, it meant something to us. And nice. when we drink it, we say, oh, shocky. <laughs> so- <laughs> And it stuck. It stuck so fast. Um, yeah. We, just knew we, we did it. This was it. And it just took a while for folks to kind of say, what is that? Like, what does that mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And it really became synonymous with an energy, a vibe. And so for us, we're hoping that, hey, one day it might make it into a dictionary. Yeah, right? <laughs> you got that Oh, you got that shoki on you. You got that shoki. I love that. I'm gonna be sure to when I take a sip, I'm like shoki. Like I would definitely, <laughs> I would definitely yes, do yes. that. And yeah, you, know, it, you know, the, the buzz is the bonus. You know, you enjoy the flavor, and then that euphoria that begins to warm your belly and come into your chest and make you smile. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, when that happens, that, that's when you know you got show. I love it. And um, I'm so happy to see you as a Black female in this industry because right now, or I would say when I was privy to it back in 2018, I started to see a rise in, with Black women entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Thank you for coming this far into the episode. I wanted to share the exciting news of She Discovered Podcast expanding to YouTube. We will still be streaming audio episodes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. In addition, extra episodes will air via YouTube from time to time. So please be sure to follow and subscribe. Updates and teasers can be found on Instagram at She Discovered Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the episode. As the movement for decriminalizing the use of marijuana continues to develop, we are seeing a rise of Black female entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. As we know, Black and Brown communities have been targeted with severe prison sentences under previous marijuana laws especially in New York City. Despite the rise of entrepreneurs in the industry, Black-owned cannabis businesses are still rare today. Tiffany, tell us a little bit about your experience now entering into the cannabis industry. Because like you said, you've only been preview to it for like, what, three, four years now? Yeah. And um, I would say the cannabis industry is, um, you live it in dog years, right? Mm -hmm. It's still changing. It's still evolving. It's still a federally illegal. (laughs) substance cannabis right and so state to state is like the wild wild west we got folks making up their own laws their own regulations and how you navigate that as a business it's its own mountain right then you have to layer it with knowing that this is an industry that's at the intersection of politics and economics Okay. the fact that you have, you know, over 40,000 people still in jail for a product and moving a product or creating products with something that a white man right now is making millions of dollars a year on is problematic, to say the least. Wonderful organizations out there right now that are looking to free people. Yeah. (laughs) And, And disproportionately, those who were affected were our people. Yep. You know, the criminali- the criminalization of, of psychedelics, of cannabis, of plant medicine um, for the sake of, of big bank, big dollars, big government um, has disproportionately affected our people, yeah. black and brown people over this country. Then with the complexity of being a first generation American like myself, my family's from Barbados, right? Your family's mm-hmm. from Haiti. Yeah. At the end of the day, you talk about cannabis and that can mean deportation. Yes. We risked it all to get here. We risked it all to our families, risked it all to, to, to create new roots here, looking for opportunity and a better way for our families. And so we came conditioned to, to think and or should I say, quote, in quote, air quotes to know that cannabis is this horrible thing that can can destroy your livelihood. And that's, of course, social conditioning. And so, you know, coming into this industry, being prepared to know that, yeah, we're few and far between because we're still victimized. Yes. We still got a we still got a bullseye on our backs. You know, in New York, you know, you're allowed to consume right now cannabis, smoke cannabis in places where cigarettes are allowed. That's March 2021. <laughs> you know, February 1, 2021, you can still get shaked down in the park for just trying to roll the joint. Like, you know, this is 
real time change. And then knowing that we had entire police, you know, systems and people in power who use this as a weapon, the war on drugs for the better part of the last 50 years. Yes. Again, to rob our communities of valuable dollars from from city run programs to breaking down entire nuclear families by putting black men behind jail and behind bars, you know, in jails and all of this over a plant, (laughs) you know, to using that plant to victimize and, and, and harass us and and to destroy our livelihoods. That that was by design. I say that to say, you know, getting into this industry like everywhere else, yeah, we're few and far between. And like any other industry, you know, we have work to do to earn our seat at the table. And I say earn means take it, <laughs> build your own table, bring your own seat, however you want to word it, but get moving because this, this country, again, if you don't take it, if you don't take your chance, if you don't speak up, you don't fight for your space, that fight for territory, you'll never get it. And that's yeah. that, that's what the unfortunate truth of where we are but that doesn't mean you shouldn't just go after it anyway that is very true this country still is a land of opportunity um it just needs to find the right people get in the right teams figure out your own plan begin to execute one foot in front of the other amen to that i agree and many times we're we're begging we've heard that before right especially within our community that we're begging for a place at the table even probably holding on to like the leg of the chair like let me just get (laughs) let me just get through but like you said why are you not creating your own table why are you not creating your own space your own seat and i've said that many times on on other numerous platforms that us as a black community we're we're still having this uh, mentality, or I love to say the miseducation of the Negro, right? That the white man can be the only one to help us. It is the European or the American or the Westernized, whichever way you want to phrase it, people or culture or society, which will, you know, benefit us or rise. But when we look at our homeland countries as Africa, as Barbados, as Haiti, we realize that we come from a very strong and resilient people. So it's just like, where did we lose our way? Right. And like you said, it it has to do with a lot of brainwashing. It has to do a lot of with, you know, conditioning, like you mentioned, which I love. And even though the industry right now is very um, difficult and I've read that it's very expensive to enter into, I would assume that with more awareness, such as what you're doing, more education and continuous changes of laws that little by little, there will be a movement amongst the, the cannabis industry. So tell me a little bit more, what made you choose cannabis? Like, why cannabis? Why choose that sector? Cannabis kind of shows me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made the choice because when I saw the kind of gorgeous products that were in the underground scene, there's a vibrant underground scene around the world. Barcelona, you know, you think about the European markets where you pay, you know, 55 bucks or, or even, even before you get down the path of buying tickets, these private parties and sexy dinner consumption events. Before then, you know, I think everyone knew Amsterdam, the yes. coffee shop, the place to consume. There was always these spots, right? But they didn't look like us. You think about places in South America where there's these great, um, you know, hole in the wall places or speakeasies or um, little lounges behind a little storefront where folks just go to enjoy and, and to consume quietly, safely. It's been around a long time. And so when I say it shows me, it's because I didn't know this world existed until it came. The invitation was there. Okay. And I thought, my goodness, like this goes beyond just getting a little, you know, eighth of a little bag of uh, some flour and coming home and mm-hmm. turn on Netflix and you're chilling. No, right. People make sauces, food, they infuse chicken and pastas and, you know, peas and rice, jerk chicken infused with like 10 milligrams of CBD versus THC or some CBN. Mm. All kinds of like vibrant things. And all of this I learned because I was just invited to the table. And they were in, I was invited to the table by people who look like me. They're making drinks, gorgeous drinks with indigenous fruits and herbs and, and, and showing me how they extract um, cannabinoids from the plant and infuse it into beautiful, palatable food experiences. And I thought to myself, why isn't this celebrated from the mountaintops? Why aren't there more of us talking about this? Mm-hmm. Why is this relegated to just some pastel jar of some yoga teacher who's talking about finding yourself and how to use cannabis to, you know, have a this wellness moment you know get to a higher higher self right (laughs) right all these things but what about 
when I just want to have some fun with my friends and my cousins, have a good belly laugh without needing the Hennessy, I can just, hey, I can pop some of this tincture into my orange juice or my ginger ale and I'm vibing just as high as you are, you know? And so these were things that I thought, why isn't this mainstream? Because I said, why isn't, I asked the question, I said, well, if I'm asking the question, I must already have the answer. And now I'm just going to go through the process to find that answer. And so let me enjoy, or should I say, embark on this process and try to have a little fun while I'm doing it. And so it's been the hardest work of my life. I'll say that openly because it is the wild, wild west. This is is an undeveloped white space, open, still in development, nascent market. There mm-hmm. aren't enough regs there. It's there's so much that we're still fighting for politically. There are businesses that go under every year because they run out of money to operate. They've run out of, of resources, support. The regulations have changed and now it's even more expensive to play. And so they just say, you know what, let's figure out, let's come back another time. Let's, let's, let's stop the hemorrhaging of all this money. Let's move on. Like people make these decisions. Their livelihoods are tied to these things. Right. And so with that said, that's why cannabis, because I realized that I had questions and I saw beautiful moments and beautiful events that I was invited to that didn't have enough representation. And so if I see a problem, I have a question. Like I said, if a question comes to you, it very well could mean that you have the answer and you just need to go through the process of discovering it, discovering it, Mm -hmm. sharing that information developing something with that information and making your stake in the sand to be a part of the solution. And so right. I, um, I have that mantra across, you know, throughout my life. And so I applied that to this. So I say cannabis chose me because it's got a problem and it said, you know, what? it might be one of those who can help. That's how that happened. And I think every operator that I know, because, um, the term operator is the, um, is the normal terminology in the cannabis industry for those who have licensed businesses, okay. those who are who work in the space and touch the plant, those who in plant touching, meaning someone who manipulates it in some way, whether you're okay. growing it, whether you're processing it into an oil, a tincture, a, a shatter, wax, you know, name it, distill it, isolate, whatever you're doing with it. And, and, and if you're manufacturing it after that into even further finished goods, like consumer packaged goods, like what Shoki is and other things that are consumer facing, or even if you want a dispensary, you're touching the plant. So those are called operators. And so mm-hmm. as an operator, you've got a you've got levels to this, right? <laughs> and how to how to navigate that and figuring out where do you want to start and how do you want to get going? And we made our we made our start in California because it, it, that's where the stars aligned for us. We were on a two-year journey to find a home where we were going to bring Shoki to market. We made a choice that we wanted to do it legally. We wanted to have product that we could stand behind and provide to people through licensed stores. And that decision led us down, again, the biggest roller coaster of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that is you're you're very much so educating me and I, you know, would assume educating my listeners because I had no idea. And and I knew that we are dealing with something that is taboo, right? In my eyes, I'm seeing it as being a little bit less taboo, but like you said, there are still things that are going on that we don't realize, even though that from state to state you see that they are legalizing cannabis, but there are so many intricacies behind the scenes that we're so unaware of. So so before we get into more in-depth knowledge about cannabis, right? What would you describe, or I'll go first, uh, as knowledge, the history of knowledge and experience with cannabis? So growing up, when you heard about cannabis, we didn't call it cannabis. We called it weed, ganja, reefer, reefer, <laughs> ganja, weed, marijuana, whatever. Our minds, right, growing up, you saw it as more of like a hood thing, right? Dudes in the hood smoke weed. Sometimes you see some shorties or, and I'm saying shorties because I'm a New Yorker, so I'm using the slang terms. You see some women, you know, um, smoking weed and um, the older generation always looked down on it. Unless the older generation were Rastafarians that had no problem with, you know, smoking the ganja and things. But for the older generation, it was seen just as society saw it, right? 
this type of drug or use of this drug are for vagabonds. You know what I mean? If you use this drug, then you are going to be um, unintelligent. It's going to mess up your mind. You might as well put it in the same category. Remember those commercials back in the 80s and 90s? This is your brain on drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. With the, the cracked eggs. So, and, and weed was included in that. Sooner or later, you know, you had other kids that offered you marijuana because it just became the norm. It became scary when you heard friends talking about, oh, yo, I'm about to take cocaine or I'm going to take crack. That's when it was like, okay, whoa, 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 because of the concept of crackhead or, you know, heroin addict. But amongst us, like, even if we didn't partake in it, for our friends and other people in our community to do it, it really wasn't a big deal. As, as much as it was taboo in society, we really didn't see it because we didn't see any heavy effects of people when they smoked uh, a weed. We didn't see any like crazy um, actions or type of addictions that you saw when people took cocaine, crack or heroin or meth. And of course, within my family, Caribbean and Haitian, that is a no, no, we not doing weed, we not doing cannabis. And you know, that's just your awareness of it. And then for myself, I believe when I converted into Adventism in 2009, so a lot of things shifted for me, but uh, I began to seek uh, weed or cannabis as something that is totally negative because it's altering the mind, you know, no alcohol, no weed, nothing that alt uh, alternates the mind because you're constantly going back to that scripture of saying that you must be sober and, and vigilant. So you're just mm -hmm. like, you know, anything that messes with the mind, don't touch it. Mm -hmm. It shifted for me when, and I'm not going to, to mention her, but a friend of mine who said that she met someone else at a farm that was growing cannabis and said that she's able to take this because she was dealing with migraines. And same thing, she was uh, in the religious sector and she's like, I can't touch that. I don't believe God would, you know, allow me to do that. And then, you know, he just said like, try this out. This is natural. This is pure. Sleep on it. Pray on it. She took a moment, did that. And she said it has helped her with her migraines, you know, and even though she may have gotten like uh, the high feeling or psychedelic feeling from it, but through trial and error, she was, she was able to manage the amount of milligrams that she needed. Right. And then eventually after that, it went on to that she was able to even take small dosage during her pregnancy. And in my mind, I was blown away. I'm just like, how can you take any type of substance while you're pregnant, you know? And of course, disclaimer, I'm not telling anyone that, you know, now you can go and take cannabis. It's safe to do during pregnancy. I'm just sharing a person's experience. But I'm just saying this to say that it opened up my mind because around that time, you're talking about a lot about medicinal cannabis, right? So I start to realize, okay, you know, maybe this is safe in a, in a medicinal way. But talking to my friend, she was like, kind of opening my eyes to the idea that is there a possibility not only via society and culture, but also through the conditioning of our mind that even in the religious sector, that we have really placed a stigma around cannabis, right? In our understanding of it or the use of it and understanding that where we grew up or how we grew up in the hood is not the all and be all of how cannabis is used based on like you were just sharing. There are many cultures, ancient civilizations that use this plant, but we were taught to see it as the monster, right? So I began to just research a little bit more. And that's when I came into the, the awareness of CBD oils. So now you're thinking, oh, that's safe because it doesn't have the psychedelic element to it. And I started tapping into that because I felt like, okay, well, it's safe. It's not really doing anything to my mind. But being educated about CBD, I was able to even get further educated on cannabis that has the element of THC in it. 
point, right? And the element of THC is what they would say would cause you to have the high feeling or the psychedelic feeling. So I would say in the past three years since then, I have definitely been educating myself on on cannabis and the use of cannabis in so many different ways, like you said, in food and drink, um, in in anything that you could think of, right? And not only medicinal medicinally or even uh, as a recreational drug, but how would you describe before you came to this point your knowledge or your experience with cannabis? Appreciate um, your insights just now, and thank you for um, painting a, a really beautiful picture of a person's awakening to um, the fact that cannabis is a medicine first, mm. uh, long before you use it for any type of recreational purposes, um, or in the in the cannabis industry, it's called adult use um, when it's used mm. for recreational purposes, um, and so because it is a, a medicine first. Having to understand that the plant as a general matter, there's over 180, maybe up to 200 now um, of what they call cannabinoids, which is THC being one of them that live inside of there, should I say that thrive inside of a cannabis plant. That's, that's part of its composition. Um, right under that are terpenes, um, the very the, the very attributes that give any plant or fruit its flavor or its aroma. Knowing that, you know, aromatherapy is a real um, holistic um, type of, of healing, um, a discipline, so to speak. Right. And um, people knowing that if you smell lavender, you've, you're, you're now calmer. If you have eucalyptus in the shower, um, it's very relaxing. Um, there's realities to the fact that, you know, plants are natural products. You know, they're naturally made in the world on the earth, right? And God created everything. And so anything in excess is error. Right. That includes alcohol, that includes cannabis, that includes anything that removes you from your center. Or as you had mentioned um, from scripture, you know, being of sound mind, um, of right. sober mind. And so, you know, thinking of that, whether you're reading it in the Greek or you're reading it um, in the Hebrew, understanding what that really means, clarity, your capacity to make good decisions. That's what that means. Yes. Um, your capacity to to consistently be the same person you are on it versus off it and to not be a danger to someone else or yourself, your sound. Um, and so with that said, um, knowing what I know of cannabis now versus when I grew up was a very different thing. You were told to be afraid of it, not because of what it was in and of itself, but what it meant. If you consume it, you're labeled as someone who's less than in the community Yep. because it's affiliated with people who are who are on drugs, use drugs, or people that aren't um, respected in the community, people who were shunned, right? You know, you think of young kids who are on the corner and supposed to be in school, they're busy using that reefer, like these are all things you hear in the house, right? You know? Yeah. And so then you all, like you said, there's an entire propaganda, an entire campaign, a billion dollar campaign that the government funded, similar to the got milk that saved the dairy industry, well, you know, this is your brain on drugs was pretty much the weaponized to destroy community and because of who was using it. You know, it's not until the last 15 years that we've now moved from criminalizing drugs to it now being a mental health issue because it's affecting more white people. Right. Mm. And so, you know, there's elements of where we're at right now. This is 2021 and fentanyl is the new is this new danger um, as it relates to, to to hard drugs. And so or and synthetic drugs at that, those that have um, been pushed out by pharmaceutical companies, which is the biggest drug dealers in the world. Right. And so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I sell that to say, depending on who it is and what it is, you know, society can deem certain things acceptable or unacceptable at the, the whim of a, of a new law a new bill, a new campaign. And yeah. so being an independent thinker and understanding what and how you're using anything. Um, there's two, there's two terms, you know, I like to, I like to talk about, and that's one, the psychoactivity versus the psychotropic effects. Now okay. we talked about that psychedelic psychedelic kind of leans itself into the hallucinogenic space where you consume a mushroom, for instance, and it alters your mind state to where you see different things. You, mm. what they call trip, so to speak. You, yeah. go, you take flight into new dimensions of whatever. There are people who embark on that. Now you think of coffee. You take coffee in the morning. <laughs> you're pretty bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for about two and a half hours. That's a psychoactive effect, you know, but mm. it's socially acceptable, right? Because it's done something to you. The psychotropic 
effects come from the place where your mood has changed. You, what they call have the munchies and these are things that cannabis unlocks, right? When you, when you consume it. Now, again, I, I, I'm a believer anything in excess is error. And so you get to a place where you're consuming anything. <laughs> Overeating is indulgent and ridiculous. You gain weight. You, you I mean, there's, there's levels. You get lethargic. You, you, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, a so lot of like, if you don't use it because it doesn't benefit your life, that's fine. However, if you're someone dealing with arthritis or someone dealing with um, inflammatory type diseases, cannabis, first and foremost, is an anti-inflammatory super plant. <laughs> it helps bring down a lot of the pain when most pain comes from inflammation. And so mm-hmm. whether that's and then how that inflammation is aggravated, again, I'm no doctor. However, I am a student of my body. <laughs> so I try to be as good to it as I can. And so what that means, I have to educate myself to know what works for me and make sure that my doctors are well aware of, you know, making the giving me the best of what I need to stay healthy. The stigma is real. It is. Being taught and told that this plant is 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 the devil is crazy. Like anything else, if it was socially acceptable a hundred years ago, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Mm-hmm. And hence why there's so many people who are now warming up to it because at the end of the day, the propaganda wheel finally stopped. You know, you're getting less, you're realizing, well, wait, I don't have to smoke it. I can actually put it on my skin and it has the same, it has effects. Why do I need to do, you know, why do I have to eat it? No, I can just put it on the, on the part of my knee where it hurts. Yes. <laughs> and I feel better, you know, or maybe I just want to use it in oil form, put it under my tongue and to go to sleep. Like, you know, because it's helping me fix something. Yeah. Or if I'm someone who loves to pop champagne, I can put some of it in, 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 in a, a nice glass. Yeah. Nice glass <laughs> I've got fun for the night. But again, mm-hmm. it's about moderation, about making sure that, you know, look, even moderation to moderation. Sometimes it's time to turn the heck up, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm all about balanced living mm-hmm. and making sure that we aren't labeling people for their choices when those choices technically are helping, they're healing. Mm-hmm. And like anything else, the biggest issue, especially for, 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 for immigrant families, is that because it's federally illegal, being caught with this could change and, and alter the trajectory of your life because right. you won't be allowed to stay here. And that, for me, is, is, is a huge injustice. Um, in addition to those that are still incarcerated for something that, again, it's a plant. You know, how we manage this plant, how we get educated about this plant, how we use it. Yeah, it's a, med- it's a medicine first, but it can be used for indulgence and fun in moderation. And so I come from that school of thought and I celebrate those who see it that way. And I respect those. Who, listen, there's some people out here who, again, for cancer patients, this was their last line of offense to have yes. To get through their last stages of life with minimal pain. Like there's elements of this that, again, can help and change and heal people. So it's an education component. And Mm -hmm. I came from a place where I was stigmatized, yes. Socially conditioned to hate it, yes. And to attach anyone who uses it as degenerates, yes. Mm -hmm. However, once I was exposed to the education, understood what this plant does, what it, where it came from, what it's used for now, how it's being evolved into beautiful products that can help heal people and, and change the quality of their life. Boom. You know, I understand that. Now teach me how to use it and how to use it responsibly. That's it. That's where we're at right now. And that's those tension points and those who still carry the fear. That's it. But I'm, again, it's a, it's a learning journey. That's what I was going to say. I was like, those that still carry the fear. And I know very much so, even in my family, like for me, <laughs> my mom's probably going to hear this. So some family member is going to bring this back to her. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so is Shay smoking now? Is Shay indulging now? And I can sit with her and tell her my understanding is different, you know, but like you said, even with it still being a stigma, I believe if we continue conversations, I I love everything that you're sharing. Like if we continue these conversations, if we continue the education, just like the mission of my podcast is to have people have discoveries and discoveries don't initially mean that as soon as you get that discovery, you're ready to take the journey. Sometimes you really need to sit with, with what you've just discovered and you make that choice if this is a journey you want to embark on or not. But at the end of the day, I want to expose people to the information. So I got a couple of myths versus facts off of the Mental Health of America website. So the first myth is that cannabis use causes memory loss and reduction of mental 
ability. What they said is that tests have shown that cannabis diminishes short-term memory while intoxicated, but there is no evidence for long-term or permanent problems when sober. And also it is fact that there is no proof that casual use is dangerous to the health of both physical and mental. See, it's hard to to leave these things with a yes or a no, because Mm -hmm. technically, see, if you, if you were to have a few shots of tequila you have you will gain short-term memory loss you the night gets really blurry and you're like oh i did that i inhibitions were to the wind oh my god whereas for some cannabis users you're fully aware of what's going on you just again are moving at a much either calmer pace you're interpreting things a little differently when it says short-term memory loss that's again that's subjective to the physiology of the individual taking it you Mm. know this is there's elements to that. Um, with that said, in addition, you know, it, it, it talked about people. You said something about um, beyond short-term memory loss, there was something else. Like long-term or um, it messes with your your mental like ability. Like even after you're sober, like it still has an effect on the mental. Yeah, no. Um, there are some studies in full transparency uh, for young people, um, those under the age of like 15, 16, or those who have um, still developing brains, but no child should be consuming um, cannabis unless it's for medical purposes, in my opinion. Um, and certainly you can't consume alcohol until you're 21, right? Because mm-hmm. those are obvious reasons to how it could affect your liver as a young person, which right. is why there are these, these, these constraints. I mean, 18 in some countries, right? So, you know, to the degree that there's a responsible consumption aspect of this, there's clearly labeled licensed, tested, trustworthy cannabis products that tell you do not operate heavy machinery. But guess what? That's also, there's t- thousands of side effects to, you know, um, pharmaceutical. Taking NyQuil. taking just NyQuil. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and taking it all into consideration in in, in the bigger picture of things, you know, if you leave it into isolation, it sounds very scary until you think, oh, wait, this isn't very different than alcohol. This isn't very different than pharmaceutical drugs. This isn't very different than over-the-counter medication. This isn't different than coffee in the morning, depending on how strong I make it. There isn't a difference. (laughs) It's about your physiology, being mindful of where you are, how you're consuming. And it is a, a myth to say that, oh my God, it destroys your brain. Like that's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So, it, and that stuff is the scary things that are out there. This is, again, that's, that, that those kinds of studies when not put into context and really thought through and, and a, a real, just a deep dive conversation, it fuels that this is your brain on drugs with the egg in the pot. You know, like it's just... <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's meant to, to, it's a scare tactic, really. Um, Would you agree that if you're already coming with that mindset upon consuming uh, cannabis, that it's a scary thing, then your experience with it will be scary? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you look at any, your mindset and your worldview on something and your opinions you've made on it before you've taken it, it can either be a placebo effect <laughs> Or um, what was the other term? Escibo. I forget. I think the opposite of what placebo is, where you actually induce the madness because you're thinking it's coming. You know, like all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff. Right. And again, that's the that's the power of the human mind, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because I've had some people because they're already seeing it as, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be taking this, or like if they take it, like the feeling of like I'm taking like something that equates to like heroin. But even though when you talk about milligrams and strains that can bring about, you know, paranoia from for certain people, but I know that there are others because they already come with that mindset of this is so negative that when they do try it, they may have like an awesome, fun, exhilarate, uh, exhilarating experience or their mind can keep going with that thought and they really don't what should I say, enjoy the experience as it was meant to be experienced, but they're already all caught up in their mind of what this is supposed to be like. If you're not, if you're already, if you're already stigmatized about it, um, it's best to, or should I say, if you're someone who is a cannabis user or someone who's cannabis curious, getting into groups or, or going to events where there's a community of people who can help educate you, expose you to things in a very safe and healthy and 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 in dose and in a dosed way, like you know, hey, don't do too much of that. You know, the, right. the term we use is you know, low and slow. 
Mm-hmm. You know, take a little bite of this, wait an hour, see how you feel. You know, um, there's because you know, think about the three real the three main methods of how cannabis is consumed. It's um it's inhaled, it's um um topical, mm-hmm. um, or it's um ingestible. And so because of that, when you think about in particular ingestible, it's got a double pass system, right? So it's gotta go through your liver. Um, and so that digestion means that it's gonna be with you longer. Yes. You know, you smoke, you, you you smoke a joint and you two or three hours, the high starts to come down. You know, you take an edible at a, at a particular strength, depending on what you're doing or, or what you've eaten. It's with you for about a calm 24 hours, <laughs> you know, um, potentially how you consume it makes a difference in how long it lasts. And for some people, that's very off-putting. It's very scary to stay high longer than the night, not longer than the event or where you right. are. Right. And so I think there's elements of education there, low and slow. Take yes. a little bit, you know, a couple of milligrams, see how you feel. And you don't have that same, you know, luxury when you're getting things off of the legacy market. You know, we don't use terms like black market. You know, you don't use terms that have been weaponized against our people. What we say about these markets, we call them traditional market. Call them legacy market. Sometimes some people call it the gray market. Some and some people call even call it duty free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because these vibrant underground markets have what driven that has what has been driving the culture for this long. Mm. You know, many of the people that are in the underground are the same people who are at the steps of Washington D.C. helping change these laws now. They deserve respect. They're the the legs that this industry stand on. That element, I think, is many people don't know that fight that happens day in and day out. You know, just this week it was, or just last week it was announced that New York State will begin licensing, releasing its first licenses in 2023. So we have a year to build out this market in New York State. And, you know, it's great that so many of us are part of the conversation. And so cannabis is such a big conversation. It is. policy perspective. You can talk about it from regulatory perspective. You can talk about it from just what we're talking about today, how to use it. What is it like? What is, you know, what's the best way to use it for me? And that's the discovery process. This, this topic can't just be for one episode, right? Like we said, there's, (laughs) there's so much, there's so, it's like, it's like an Aladdin moment. Like it's a whole new world out there. And it's not, I know, right? It's a whole new world. I love it. It's not new, but for many of us, it's new, right? Because we're just discovering something that we've never uh, thought existed or understood. So we're seeing it without a veil at this moment. So let's continue a little bit um, before we wrap up with the myth and fact, just to educate my listeners some more, because you are hitting it on nail every time. And I appreciate that. So another myth is that the use of cannabis turns you into a couch potato or even a zombie and we've seen that many times in movies um all the stoner movies that we watch (laughs) was just like dude and just like everybody's just like if you could see me right now like my eyes are like so droopy and everything but uh the fact is that it does not create a loss of motivation or ability to perform. Any abuse of substances over a long period of time will reduce a person's ability to function. So it's just like basically everything that you were mentioning before, right? Like even though these are cult classics and we love these movies, they're nostalgic, but that is not the representation of a person that, you know, um, takes cannabis that you're just on the couch and you're and you're just high you don't want to move you just want to eat all day you can't function there are some strains i've heard and you know for those for some people that don't like using the word strain strain sounds like some type of biological weapon okay (laughs) (laughs) um some people like to call them cultivars but those are the those are the real real scientists and growers who are who are masters in the space but for our purposes um and you know mostly mainstream we say the word strain right and so Mm -hmm. all that to say there are some strains out here that will what we call couch lock you, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not so much because of just the THC. People aren't edu- again, the education's coming as more people ask questions. But the profile of the cannabis plant, particular strain in particular, one one of my favorites personally is mimosa. It has is jam-packed full of limonene, which is 
a very citrus focused um, terpene and married with the THC within this product and lesser cannabinoids like CBG and CBC a bit, when they all work together, which is called the entourage effect or the ensemble effect, however you want to, there's a few terms flying around, Um, how they work together is what gives you that high that you like. Me, I like to, I like what they call uppers. Mm-hmm. Most of the strain is an upper because once you consume it, you kind of have this creative boost and you're just giggly, laughing, you're awake, you're kind of cracking jokes. Some people just want to be able to just sit back and calm their anxiety. Some people are so high strung that they consume purple haze. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of some other really good ones that I know are just indica, um, mostly indica and um, Afghani, where they just really calm the body. Yeah. That's where that, you know, oh, you look sleepy. Yes. <laughs> and those terpenes that tie into that, myrcene, um, pinene, um, linalool, which is the same terpene that's in lavender flower. So you see how they all kind of work together to calm the body, which means you might be a little, you know, sluggish on the couch. But if you had a long day, even working your tail off and you turn on the TV, yeah, is that a bad thing? So it's calm. Next is everything with this, which is why you know looking at these studies and there's a study for a study, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's always con- consistent debates around this, and the science is is proving more and more that as an anti-inflammatory first product um, um, plant um, um, use, it is phenomenal at that work. Um, after that, it can help with sleep. It can help with um, body aches. It can help with being able to give you energy, um, to boost your create your creativity, give you focus depending on what you're working on. And so shoot, some of them give you even help with the, the, the uh, libido getting that sex drive going, you know? So there's so many attributes to the different types because they work together. And that's what makes strains so unique is their terpene profiles. So when you think about, oh my God, is this THC or CBD? Oh, honey, that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, CBN is gorgeous for sleep. You wake up feeling vibrant. You feel like you had a good, deep, nice ream sleep, that deep sleep that, you know, you're when you wake up, you feel refreshed, not like you were half awake all night. Like there's elements to that. And there's some strains that have higher CBN versus CBC. Some have higher THC, some have more CBD. So, you know, you think about how you play into that as an education, try out a few, you know, take a few pulls, go to a few tasting events. There's tasting events now. You know, that's how sophisticated it can be if you open your eyes to what's right in front of you. But stigma can be very blinding. You know, the world is so big as it relates to cannabis. And everything that you're mentioning, all these terminologies, I feel like I'm in like wonderland right now (laughs) with everything that you're sharing. But that's why I believe that they they wanted to put that myth to the side, right? And there's there's always some type of truth. Like, yeah, you do have some certain strains or experiences where you are not the out, you know what I'm saying? And you, you, you do have the sleepy eyes, but to now put that as a general view of a person that, you know, takes cannabis, that's the myth that we have to eradicate that. Yeah, we're, kicking you, it, we're kicking it down, honey. Yeah. One, one, the more of us who are in this space, the more of us that are doing it, which is why I make a point to be a resource to people when they want to get in the industry, they want to figure some stuff out, point them in the right direction. I'm happy to, because we need more of us here. Rising tides raises all ships. And so knowing that we're all out here trying to do well, if one of us does it, we've all done it because now it creates more lane, you know, right. to continue to, to, to work and build good streams of good quality businesses to keep the industry growing. So many times you we've heard this and we're talking about it also with what we've grown up understanding cannabis to be or the people that use them, we should say. So the myth is that cannabis causes crime or creates criminals. And the fact is, or research shows that classified criminals have been jailed for the possession of selling the drug and not technically the consumption of it. And it's also a fact on research shows that more crimes have actually been committed under the influence of alcohol. 
And I and and I remember you mentioned that before, you know, that there's so many things that happen with alcohol consumption that, you know, we we don't want to look at, but we're so ready to criminalize the use of cannabis when you think of alcohol and the things that have happened. Come on, we have drunk um driving, right? So it's just like, so do we not think about that? Do we not think about like what you said, where people just, I can't remember what I did last night or the, or the awesome song that was, well, not awesome to me, but that everyone loved back in the days, blame it on the alcohol, right? Blame it on the, I don't remember what I did if I did. And, and sometimes we're not going to get into that, but even in that culture of hip hop, sometimes that even comes into rape culture. Like I did mm. what I did, you know what I mean? I don't remember, blame it on the alcohol. I've heard men say that as well, but that's another topic for another day. You would everything agree. Moderation. Everything yeah, in agree. moderation. Everything in moderation. And, you know, think, about cannabis overall how to what, what did cat williams say even though you know you know he's a controversial character but he's a funny man and so thinking about what he said was true it was always gonna do to make you horny happy or hungry so <laughs> <laughs> the triple h the triple h yeah you know so you know i i sell that to say um he ain't wrong <laughs> so <laughs> And um, anything, again, in excess can can hurt you. And so Mm -hmm. to be mindful and get educated and to use these products, uh, you know, it takes a lesson of trial and error, but it shouldn't have to be scary to do that. And that's why products like Shoki, products that are coming to market that are tested, that um, think about the think about you as a consumer. And what, yeah. how why it should be easy and approachable for you are going to help be those 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 welcomers. So we're going to be the ones to say hi. You know, it's okay. Don't be afraid. You know, and we're glad to be at that intersection to help consumers learn and and get more involved in the space in a responsible way. If you're picking up your eggs and diapers, if I picked up a bag of weed on the way home, that should just be as normal. You know, we're hoping to help bring some normalcy and some mainstream attributes to cannabis and to really dispel the propaganda that has villainized this plant for so long. And we're part of that conversation. And it's a really, it's really a privilege. And we're doing it from the lens of our culture, not compromising on our blackness, celebrating, you know, what it means to, to bring beautiful products to market that aren't relegated to the ethnic aisle of a supermarket. Some power that be said, no, no, you, you won't, you won't even know that exists because we're not even putting on the shelf. Like that's the kind of gatekeepers that are out, you know, they're around the world controlling all these industries. And that's just, you know, taking it 10,000 feet up. Cannabis is another byproduct of those systems and structures that again, seek to divide more than bring people together. So we're happy to be the counter culture to that and hopefully to bring more opportunity for global ingredients, great experiences, and of course, safe, gorgeous cannabis. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So of course, this will be in the description in the show notes, but for my listeners, where can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Where can we get some shoki? (laughs) I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to announce that, you know, last month we launched our e-commerce store. So if you don't live in California, you can still get to shoki now. Um, we have a beautiful website, www.shokifree.com, where you can get our uninfused versions of our mixers. If you're in California State, we're as far north as Humboldt, as far south as Palm Springs, and we're hoping to make it into LA, hopefully, once we get this next inventory going, because we mm-hmm. officially sold out in California, if you could believe it, which is great. Great, great, great problem to have. And so we're hoping to really make a big splash in 2020. Two. I'm like, what year are we in? Girl, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and so you'll be able to find us there. And if you um on social media, Tribe Shoki, T-R-I-B-E-S-H-O-K-I. We're all Instagram and Facebook, same Tribe Shoki. And of course, you can shoot us an email at tribe talk at tribeshoki.com. Um, of course, you can sign up for our newsletter on the website as well. And I'm always around the social networks so somewhere, and I'm not, I'm always accessible. Feel free to pick me on on IG. My personal um, handle is Miss Motovino. Motovino is my wine company because um, I do I do I do some work in the wine and spirit space. And so all that to say, I'm not too far away. Happy to answer questions and to be a resource to your listeners as it relates to cannabis and beverage and entrepreneurship in any capacity. Again, well, we we got to support each other. We have we have to, and that's why I love bringing on uh, new guests to She Discovered Podcast. 
podcast just to expose people not only to new information but to people of color us just doing so many amazing things out here right and I know (laughs) I know our parents would be proud but I want to say I'm totally proud of you I just love you my love I'm so proud of you I'm thankful to be on your platform it's really a privilege I appreciate that you're creating this 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 opportunity to connect people because again you know i always say answers to prayers that's who we are you know your your existence in this realm means you're an answer to prayer you're here to solve something and so the more we build community the more iron can sharpen iron i thank you for for creating this platform for people like us to get together of course oh all your words are very much appreciated and uh thank you so much for just even being a part of it sharing your knowledge you shared so much that I wasn't even ready for, but I was like, give, give me more (laughs) to my listeners as always. And especially during this episode, I hope that you've gained some knowledge and your own discoveries to go on your journey and uh, just tune in next time for She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. And most importantly, head over to at Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated. <laughs>